Good evening. We continue on in this study from the Old Testament. We've been looking at Moses for the last few days or last few weeks. And you know, with Moses, he did all of those incredible plagues, 10 plagues that were put onto Egypt. And it must have been incredible to have been a Hebrew or an Israelite and know that all of those terrible things were happening to the, the Egyptians, their oppressors. As the frogs came and the cattle were sick and there were boils and there was darkness and blood in the, in the river and all those terrible things. And even the firstborn in each family that didn't have the blood on the doorpost died. It must have been incredible to know that God would announce that that was going to happen and then God would do whatever he said. It surely would have just made your faith go right through the ceiling, wouldn't it? And finally they get to leave Egypt and finally they get to go across the Red Sea and God led them across the sea as the sea parted and, and all of, of the Egyptian army was destroyed along with Pharaoh in the sea. Must have made your faith in God great, don't you think? Don't you think they surely thought we will never doubt God from now on because we have seen God work in such incredible ways. Well, tonight we're up to the point in the story, and I'm calling this one tonight, Moses and the Grumblers. If you looked at the title, if you saw it in the, in the bulletin, you might have thought this was some new music group, but it's not. This is Moses and the children of Israel out in the desert, and they are the ones who are the Grumblers. So we get to the point in Exodus chapter 16, in verses 1 through 3, where the people are going to start their grumbling. It says, the whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin. Now that's quite a place to stay, isn't it? Which is between Elam and Sinai and the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. And in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. And there we sat around pots of meat and we ate all the food that we wanted but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Oh, it was great back there in Egypt, wasn't it? At least that's what they think at the moment. The good old days can be distorted, right? Sometimes we remember things better than they were. The memories we have, we forget how hot it was or how much it rained or how awful things were sometimes. And we only remember the good. Sometimes we only remember the bad, too, and it goes the other way. But the good old days can be so distorted. But the good old days were hard, weren't they? You remember what it was like? I mean, I am so old, I remember what it was like before a cell phone. I can remember the first time I saw a microwave. You remember what it was like when you had to make meals and you had to wait like a long time? Remember those days or where I grew up, maybe where you grew up, too, like... You couldn't just drive through. There was only one drive-through window in the whole town. They weren't as easy as what we remembered. And so now you have Israel out in the middle of the desert, and they're remembering how great it was to be a slave. They're remembering how great it was to have to make mud bricks with straw all the time. And if you remember the story, you remember that Pharaoh decided that they'd have to go out and get their own straw. They'd have to get their straw, make their bricks, and still keep up the same quota they had whenever straw was provided for them. You remember that, right? 
And now they're saying, oh, back there we had pots of meat. We sat around and just ate meat all the time. And you know that wasn't the way it was, but oh, memory plays, it plays tricks on us sometimes. It doesn't take long for us to lose patience. We all have days of that. Surely maybe you lose your patience when you're hungry, get angry, right? Or maybe it's when you're sleepy or tired or whatever it may be. But I've read some studies that say that the average attention span, even for an adult, is about eight seconds. And then we start thinking about something else. Now, at the same time, adults can go 15 to 20 minutes. We kind of come back and forth. And some of you are saying, that's right. You make sure your sermons are not any longer than 15 or 20 minutes, right? Because we start thinking about other things and our minds go to other places. It's the exact reason why we have things like pictures on our PowerPoint, words on our PowerPoint, fill in the blanks on the PowerPoint, all those things to try to help us to focus and to keep attention. Now, you might also find it interesting that they say that people have a longer attention span in the morning and a shorter attention span at night. You've probably figured that out because after a long day, you're tired and you just sometimes don't think as clearly as you might have. So here they are out in the desert. Here they are. They're so angry. They just want to go back and be a slave again. And I want you to see Exodus 16, verses 4 through 7. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them, and I'll see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against them. Oh, there's so many things to talk about and we're not going to cover all of them tonight. Because remember, we only have a 15 to 20 minute, minute attention span, so we can't get them all. But here's just one little sidelight for you tonight, a manna possibility. I thought about where manna came from. Where could bread from heaven come from? What would that be? How would God do that? Well, there's some connections. Sometimes, sometimes people kind of think maybe it was plant, uh, plant lice or something that came from tamarisk trees. And then the, the, the birds would bring it or, or the insects would bring this, this stuff that they would get out of the tamarisk trees. And it would cover the ground. As you saw, it said it was like flakes on the ground. When I was a kid, the only flakes I knew were frosted flakes. And it wasn't frosted flakes, but it was something kind of flaky on the ground. And some have said what it is is plant lice that could be cooked into a bread or used with a bread or like a bread. And he said, well, where would you get some kind of idea like that? Well, it comes from the word manna. And the word manna can go two different ways. Manna can be kind of what they said when they saw it and what you heard Carson read tonight. Manna can literally mean, what is it? That when the people saw it, they went, manna, meaning, what is it? Or if you put two Aramaic words together, the two words together are plant lice. And so it could be they're saying, there's plant lice out there. 
whatever it was, God used it. Now, some folks have said, no, that would mean it wasn't a miracle if it came from somewhere else like that. Well, of course it would still be a miracle. You remember God used the, the Dead Sea, and God used the star that was over Bethlehem, and God used all those plagues. If nature belongs to God, and if nature worships God, then God can make things happen however he wants them to happen. Whatever it was, it was a miracle that happened that God was providing food for thousands and thousands of Hebrews, his people. Now, there was a purpose behind the bread. This isn't just have it and move on. That wasn't what it was about. This isn't just go to the store and get something and, and it doesn't matter what it is. He says it so they would know that it was the Lord. The purpose is to know that it's the Lord, not just to feed their stomachs. It's much deeper than that. It's interesting how bread is used in various ways in the Bible, right? You remember, they remember the bread that didn't have uh, yeast in it whenever they came out of Egypt, and they were to remember slavery and freedom and the way Jesus took the bread and said, this is my body. The most common thing that would have been on tables is what Jesus would often use, the bread and the cup. But it's, this is so they would know it was the Lord. I want you to see the next part of this passage in Exodus chapter 16 in verses 11 and 12. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them. At twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. So you remember they had bread to eat in the morning, and I guess throughout the day, and then at night they would have quail to eat. Wow, must have been exciting and wonderful and tasted wonderful after all that time. But understand, it is deeper than eating manna and quail. You see, it is a physical blessing with a spiritual purpose. This isn't just so that you'll have 2,000 calories a day or that you'll have enough, uh, enough nutrients to keep going, enough protein to keep going. That's important. But it's about so much more than that. But often we just see things just the surface level. It's all we think surface, right? And we don't think about, is there something deeper to this? But it makes me think about the prayer that Jesus prayed that we call the Lord's Prayer. Remember that? Give us this day our daily bread. You remember when they're out there, right? Out in the wilderness and they have no hope without God. They're getting hungry. And God would provide daily bread. And so that wasn't just for the Hebrews who lived, who lived centuries ago. That's a prayer for us. Give us this day our daily bread because we are dependent. Remember, it was the Lord, is what Moses said. Remember, it was the Lord who did this. So it's not just, hey, have this in seven different flavors. No, not at all. It was we are dependent on God. And so you say, okay, well, that's a nice little story. You could have used some flannel graph. We could have taught this to the third graders. But it's about so much more than that, isn't it? This is the point. This is where it becomes the lesson for the adults. Who do you suppose 
is behind our blessings. Have you ever thought about that? Who do you suppose is behind our blessings? Right now, you are using a television or a computer to watch me, to worship with us tonight. That is a blessing. There is a good chance that right now you are in a house watching, whether it be a big house or a little house or a mobile home or whatever it is. Maybe you're in your car watching on your phone. All of those things are blessings. Many of you have jobs or some of you have retired and you're receiving retirement, social security. Those are blessings. Who do you suppose is behind our blessings? Whatever it is you have, the, the, the time you have, the intellect you have, the physical blessings, you know it's God who's behind them, right? And so you said, well, yes, yes, it sure is. And we praise God for that. Thank you, God. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my friends. Whatever it is, thank you, God, for those things. But I'm not done with you tonight. There's one more question. So why do you think we have them? Why do you think you, we, we have them? They are to share. They are to make the world a better place. They're to obviously worship God and thank God for. But they're about so much more than just having them. You know that phrase that you hear all the time whenever you listen to a financial report and they talk about consumers and how much we consume as a nation and we, can, we consume food and we consume media and we consume other products? Often when we're consuming, we're not thinking, I wonder how I could use this to make the world a better place than it is now. You remember that the bread wasn't just about bread, right? It was so that we would know that he is Lord. So tonight, our blessings are so that we will know that God is God, that we will praise God, and that we will make this world a better place. I pray that's what you're doing. I pray that this week will be a week that you thank God for your blessings. Count them one by one and thank him and then make the world better for other people. Let's pray. Dear God, we need you. We have so many blessings and we are so forgetful. But Father, we thank you for those things you give us. And Father, tonight we vow to do better than we've done in the past. Father, we vow to realize that we are dependent on you. Father, may we be people who receive humbly and may we be people who share generously. We need you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.